Well, good afternoon. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for a bit of an overview of where we are with the SAP partnership. My name is Bas Kampaus. I run uh, the strategic ISV partnerships at AWS. And Steve, you want to introduce yourself? Steve Jones. I run our solution architecture teams for all of our partner organization, which includes SAP. So. Today we'll talk a little bit about the why, what, and how customers are choosing to um, rethink, reimagine their SAP environments, right? So let's start with a little bit of a history overview. We've been at this uh, for a while, uh, serving SAP customers, notably probably SAP themselves. Um, SAP started using uh, AWS initially predominantly to provide demo environments to showcase their applications uh, on AWS, and those were individuals with credit cards. But through the years, we started collaborating closer, um, initially with uh, the business suite, and actually, Steve, you were involved at that time. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the early days, obviously a lot of testing involved in making sure that a hyperscale platform was fully supported and ready to run a mission-critical workload like SAP. And we learned a lot, actually, with SAP along the way. And all of those learnings and early work with customers, we put right back into the platform, uh, which actually led, uh, as you look at the curve here, to us actually building purpose-built infrastructure for SAP workloads, and particularly HANA. Uh, many of you who know us and uh, SAP understand that uh, SAP brought their own database to market in about the 2012, 2013 timeframe. And AWS provided again, the first hyperscale platform to support SAP HANA workloads uh, at the time. And, and since then, we've been collaborating with SAP, not just on those workloads, but also on some of their SaaS applications as well. You see Concur here, there are their applications. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But we've been actually be purposely building infrastructure for SAP for quite some time. We'll talk about some recent announcements that we've made um, that allow us to serve even the most demanding customer workloads today that are out there. Um, and you see SAP building their own products and services on us as well. Some recent innovations uh, that they've come to market with as recent as TechEd uh, were made um, public on us as well. Um, from an adoption perspective, you want to talk about some customers? Yeah, uh, we actually, obviously, um, over the years it's been exciting. In 2016, so a bit over three years ago at Sapphire, we had four reference customers. And last, uh, yesterday actually, we provided an update to the market. We are actively serving more than 5,000 mission critical HANA customers, half of which are actually running HANA, right? Now we'll talk a little bit more about the two destinations, um, but very, and we'll talk also about some of the specific customer use cases. All to say it is the net new destination for mission critical SAP workloads. And the reason is, is multifold. Steve talked about some of the engineering that's purpose built for HANA, but also HANA requires customers to rethink what infrastructure fits them. And so there's this need to rethink infrastructure at the same time that the hyperscale cloud and specifically AWS has actually now really matured, partly due to some innovation, Steve. Now, um, what is the difference between these hyperscalers, right? And this is an AWS point of view. We'll go into some of the details as we go through the presentation, but just indulge me as I walk through these six items. First of all, 
the Nitro platform. We'll dive deeper into that. But the Nitro platform allows us to actually leverage bare metal machines in a cloud-native way, fully integrated into the AWS experience, which means that we're serving up workloads that are five times the uh, size of any other hyperscale provider today. And that continues to be a major bottleneck for the other hyperscalers, that it's all dependent on virtualization technologies where there's a limit to how far you can take it. We're also, because we're 11 years in market, the only provider that is certified to run any SAP solution. Any database, be it Oracle, DB2, SQL, or any SAP solution from BW to ERP to Suite on HANA to S4HANA, all of it is basically providing customers more choice. You can actually start with a lift and shift and make up your mind what your next destination is and know that AWS is certified and supporting that workload together with SAP. Now also in these years, we've been SAP's innovation partner. Uh, Steve talked about a little bit about the as a service solutions that we're supporting. If you look at a key element in the SAP architecture these days is cloud platform. Cloud platform is the extension layer that sits on top of the SAP applications. AWS supports eight times the regions of any other cloud providers and actually many more services within. Then the partner community, over 250 partners are serving SAP customers daily. We actually are the only partner that audits and checks in with customers whether the partners provide the right skills to make customers successful. And that's the competency. We'll talk more about that as well. And then just in general, the breadth and the pace of innovation and the scope of the global footprint of AWS that comes with the security and the reliability are significant differentiators that customers consider when they're making a platform choice. Let's talk a little bit about the first one first, Nitro. So how many of you heard Andy talk about Nitro today during his keynote? This is pretty amazing stuff. We've been at this now for quite some time. If we go back about four or five years, we actually started experimenting with offloading the functions that typically happen in the hypervisor. And we started first with networking I.O. And we, we, we used traditional offload cards from Intel at the time. Uh, and then we decided, what if we could actually offload pretty much all of the functions that happen within a hypervisor? How could we actually do that? Um, Nitro was born, right? The concept was born. And over the years, we actually um, decided to actually invest in a company called Annapurna Labs, based out of Israel. Uh, they actually build custom silicone, which allow us to create special hardware offload cards, which we're actually able to put into our servers. And these handle all of the functions, that, again, that typically happen in a, in a hypervisor. So things like storage I.O., network I.O., uh, interaction with the control plane and the data plane, right? Uh, what this allows us to do is create and offer bare metal environments with the same characteristics as you would come to expect from a virtualized environment or an AWS EC2 instance, right? So you're able to use the same software-defined networking, the same security group constructs. Uh, you can move between a virtualized instance and a bare metal instance. It's very elastic in nature. And so again, this allows us to actually offer in these higher uh, compute sizes, where up today we offer up to 24 terabytes in a single EC2 instance, 24 terabytes of RAM. Uh, it allows us to actually offer all of that raw performance uh, from a compute and memory perspective to customers 
without the need for virtualization overhead. And there is a tax when you talk about virtualization, right? And so what you see here on the left is a range of virtualized instances, again, that are backed by a traditional hypervisor. Um, and today we have um, very lightweight hypervisors that support up to instance sizes up into the range of four terabytes. And then from a bare metal perspective, we support up to 24 terabytes of, of memory for, for EC2 uh, HANA workloads. Um, when we talk about performance, uh, and again, this is not, uh, not something to, to treat lightly, right? We're actually able to provide all of the performance from the compute and the memory. And SAPs, you're probably well aware of, specifically HANA has very discrete core to memory ratios when it comes to operating HANA workloads. And so if you have to give up compute power uh, to the hypervisor, you're actually giving up performance. And this is something that uh, has, has allowed us to actually offer some pretty interesting scale-out options that are only typically available in an on-premise world because of the bare metal attributes. Um, and I'll talk about that here in just a moment. Anything to add to that, boss? No, it's a, it's a subtle line, but that difference and that virtualization tax is drawn on the slide. You get a 12 terabyte machine from AWS, you get a 12 terabyte machine. If you look at the true certification of the other hyperscalers, it hovers around 11.5, right? And these are optimized conditions by which these benchmarks get performed. And it matters, the true performance of a mission critical system becomes very important for customers. Let's talk a little bit about the range. Yeah, so today we offer instance sizes for HANA. Again, the support all the way from, all the way from a quarter of a terabyte, all the way up to 24 terabytes of RAM. Again, the really cool thing here is we start with virtualized instances on the left, all the way up to four terabytes, and then we move into the bare metal elastic environments, again, that offer the full compute power of both memory and CPU. As I mentioned too, when it comes to S4 HANA, we can support even the biggest workloads out there. We can support up to 48 terabytes of RAM using scale-out architecture because these are bare metal instances. We also, for the very largest OLAP or data, data mark type workloads, support up to 100 terabytes in a, in a scale-out fashion. And again, it's super seamless to be able to change between a virtualized HANA instance and a bare metal or elastic HANA instance it's a simple stop-start exercise in the AWS console. You don't have to worry about shuttling data around or moving things around. The IP addressing stays the same. It's the same software-defined network. It's just seamless. So what does that allow you to do? Well, you can actually set and forget, right? You've heard this phrase before, right? So when it comes to provisioning infrastructure for the most mission-critical SAP environments, regardless of size, you can think through an architecture pattern once and it will apply regardless of the size that you actually grow to. Because it is a native EC2 instance, a native cloud instance, you can actually run it right alongside of where your SAP application servers are or any other integration scenario. So we have customers who are running very interesting scenarios now with IoT, building data lakes, and integrating these with the backend SAP systems. Again, it doesn't matter from a sizing perspective anymore, if you're running on a smaller virtualized instance or one of these very large bare metal environments, it's all the same architecture pattern. So this offers super uh, elasticity and flexibility when it comes to thinking through the deployment options and allows you to actually focus on building systems of differentiation, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. 
moving on to the next slide. Again, when you, talk, when you think about high availability and disaster recovery, the same architecture patterns apply, regardless of size. Uh, in some other environments or other uh, hyperscale providers, you actually have to think differently about, uh, depending on the sizing, uh, what their architecture pattern is, and this will change depending on your, your size deployments. So on AWS, it's very simple. Uh, we recommend customers run multi-AZ or availability zone deployments for high availability, and here we're blurring the lines a little bit between high availability and disaster recovery. Typically, what we hear from customers is that to accomplish uh, high availability, they're usually deployed in a single data center on-premises. We actually encourage customers to do this in multiple data centers in a, in a single region, and then leverage an out-of-region concept or another region on AWS for, for, for DR purposes. And here they're actually able to get better resiliency than you can get on-premises. On and again, the same architecture pattern applies regardless of size. This also applies to elastic block stores, uh, our, our persistent block storage. So again, when you go back to thinking about deployment patterns, uh, regardless of the size of system you're deploying on AWS, for any SAP workload, you're leveraging the same backend storage, which is Elastic Block Store. And your storage is so flexible, you can actually change uh, volume types, whether it's provisioned IOPS or uh, what we call general purpose SSDs. Um, some customers will use general purpose SSD volumes in, say, non-productive environments and provisioned IOPS in productive environments. Uh, some customers will actually dial up um, based on CloudWatch alerts uh, IOPS uh, during, say, month end, for example. Um, when customers migrate from a smaller system to a larger system, you can dynamically grow your EBS volumes on the back end as needed. And again, this can be automated such that, I want to say set and forget, but it's, it's almost like that, right? And so you can actually start to focus again on building higher level systems of differentiation over time. And that's, that's really where the value, I think, comes long term. Now, based on that architecture, and by the way, many AWS services around it, we've been working with SAP for years on empowering their cloud offerings as well. So this slide is showing some of the SAP offerings in the cloud, and in yellow, the ones that are exclusively provided on AWS, in white, the ones that we're providing with other partners in the industry. So obviously, I talked a little bit about Cloud Platform, a key component to actually providing customers a bridge between the services of AWS and the core SAP systems. Um, SaaS solutions like Qualtrics and um, Conquer run on AWS. Uh, a super interesting partnership is our partnership with an uh, SAP uh, division called NS2. NS2 provides the SAP environments to customers like the Navy and the Army, which is, are some of the largest HANA consumers in the industry, uh, which runs ultimately on AWS as well. Now, what we've been releasing at the TechEds in Las Vegas and Barcelona recently is a number of net new SAP as a service offerings that further uh, reduce the complexity with deploying SAP uh, software in an as-a-service model. So HANA Cloud, very interesting. It's actually a containerized version of HANA that we work together on with SAP to provide. 
data warehouse as a service, SAP Analytics Cloud, think about the old business objects portfolio actually becoming available in an as-a-service uh, model. And then lastly, very exciting, we co-innovated uh, what we call the data custodian for SAP, specific to AWS, that deals with the security and the visibility of which users are accessing our SAP environments where, the ability to provide actually masking functionality, Imagine in a GDPR European zone, a customer is, uh, or a, a participant in the SAP functionality is allowed to look up customer address information, but when they're in the US for whatever reason the policy says they can't, we can now actually do that automatically, including even key encryption, right? So lots of good stuff continues to happen that. And it's ultimately grounded in this slide here. The breadth and the depth of the SAP platform at a global scale and the reliability of that platform far supersedes any other cloud provider and which is actually where AWS has an easier time supporting SAP in their global scope. And so today we're running two regions specific to NS2 so that we can help the, the public sector in the US. And we're running eight regions uh, for SAP cloud platform any other cloud provider has either one region available or has introdu is introducing a second region with a fifth of the services per region available actually for consumption. So if you look at the new services that are available on these platforms, they're only running on AWS, which provides customers the ultimate choice to say which elements in this portfolio do I actually want to use. Anything to add, Steve? Uh, the only thing I'd add here too is that this is where the next generation of innovation is coming from, right? And we'll talk a little bit about building direct and native integrations with SAP systems on AWS. But SAP is also helping customers innovate uh, beyond just what they call the core, right? And SAP Cloud Platform is their strategy for that. And so you can see that SAP themselves are building on AWS to allow customers to build these systems of differentiation that I was talking about. Now then, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, right? What is it actually to be an SAP customer today, a VP of an IT infrastructure or a CIO? And why would you actually consider AWS as a destination? One of the reasons is we support all workloads. So what's the state of the market? This is uh, some interesting studies. There's two studies combined on this slide. The first one to the left-hand side shows you a recent survey that was conducted by Derek Pryor, um, who is a, a great piece of advice for us uh, in the industry. And he did a study um, talking to the experiences that customers have had with SAP over the last 20 years. A random study, not just IT functions, but also business stakeholders. And they asked the question, did it come in on time? Did it come in on budget? and did it deliver the value that we originally set out to deliver with this SAP implementation? And across all three dimensions, the success rate is less than 50%. So that's in people's minds as they consider upgrading an SAP system or investing any further in SAP. The other side of it is SAP really is putting a lot of innovation in the S4HANA platform. However, it's a fairly disruptive implementation. It's not an upgrade of your current ERP solution. And so ASOC, which presents the North America user group, did a recent study which they published on the adoption rate of S4HANA, and it's about four or five years in market, 
the majority of customers is still thinking about it. Some customers have installed some S4 implementations and we certainly are seeing a lot of traction there, but the vast majority of our uh, customers is still determining the business case or doesn't understand why to prioritize it over other IT environments or just finds it too risky, too costly at this point in time. Now what's the underlying reason? The underlying reason is that SAP platforms are by definition designed to serve any, everybody in all their needs. So they're highly valuable for the consistency of process execution and managing managed data through a business process, right? Hire to fire, order to cash, you name it. But the problem with it is, is that any change needs to actually work for all the consumers of the solution. And so it's a monolith in its design. At the same time, what you've seen on the hyperscale cloud is the, the traction that microservices has. Small modular components that can actually independently continue to get better, right? And that's what you see on the AWS console. These are microservices and creating a set of agility and flexibility in how we progress and innovate that platform. And Andy talked about this today, right? So you, you think about the disruption that's happening in the industry, right? The Airbnbs, the Ubers, these are all kind of native uh, hyperscale ground, built from the ground up applications. But when you can marry this innovation with you know, a, a core backend system like SAP, this is really where some of the true innovation actually starts to happen. And we're seeing this today. We'll talk about some of these use cases, which are super interesting. So then we meet with customers, and Steve and I are meeting a few customers per week. Um, and there's often this question coming in, especially when they reach out to AWS is, I actually have a transformation agenda, right? I want to either grow top line by creating better customer engagement models, different ways of engaging with my employees, making smarter decisions. And I know that there's SAP solutions that are going to add value to that transformation. Or it's about bottom line, how do I produce cheaper, right? Think about Volkswagen and the partnership we announced there to actually reduce the cost of what it takes to produce a car by 30% in the next five years. Those are the true motivators to actually consider an SAP solution. And our advice is the following to these customers. Make sure you think about your IT architecture in three distinct architectural layers. The infrastructure layer and the innovation that's happened there is no longer something that many customers are doing themselves. Rely on a hyperscaler to continually improve that platform, get the additional instance sizes, get the additional metrics or network capabilities, um, but build it to last and pick something instead of uh, dipping into too many platforms. The layer that actually is supported by that infrastructure layer are the applications. Consume all the IP that's in those platforms, but don't modify it. Keep it as clean as you possibly can, which actually allows you to upgrade them, right? The monolith uh, item that we talked about. So build that layer and design that layer to consume. And then on top of it, benefit from the pace of innovation that's actually happening to actually help you differentiate. That layer constantly ought to be changing, not just today, not just monetizing 
the technology uh, progress that, that we've seen with Andy on the keynote and that we're uh, making available this week here in Vegas. But just in t over time, business models will change. The more flexible and agile you create the layer on top of these SOP solutions, the faster you're going to be able to uh, capitalize on any changing market demands, any changing sentiment demands, new offerings that you want to define, right? So the magic is in a smart combination of the technologies between AWS and SAP. I would add too that again, this integration layer between the application layer, which again, we're, we keep clean from a, a core perspective, and the new systems of differentiation we're building on top of that can either be through again, SAP Cloud Platform, and the connectivity options they provide there, as well as the services that they expose, AWS services they expose through their offering there, or direct to AWS native through things like Application Gateway uh, and the SAP uh, NetWeaver Gateway as well. So it can either be plugged in directly to AWS or through the SAP Cloud Platform. And then again, if you think about the infrastructure, the less you have to worry about changing architecture patterns, hopefully that's starting to make sense. Is again, you think about it once, and you actually focus on higher level services to actually differentiate. So this is what we kind of, in our partnership with SAP, have started to focus on over the last two years, is how do we make it easier to facilitate data flows between these different solutions? And so a month ago in Barcelona, we introduced a reference architecture that specifically helps customers tie these solutions together. And it's grounded in a number of SAP applications, then cloud platform as an interoperability layer, and then native AWS services, either in DevOps type solutions as well as infrastructure as a service solutions. And we now have actually designed patterns that are starting to emerge. Matter of fact, where I know there's a lot of work going on in making this easier and easier, because we've been serving customers for over 11 years with their SAP workload, we now have significant customers in each of the major industries. And we're seeing something emerge, right? We've actually gone back for the last 18 months to a number of these customers. Uh, think about public sector, uh, where there's some very, very mission critical deployments on AWS. We went back and like, how are you actually evolving your SAP landscape from here? And for public sector, a lot of it is obviously about the security and the, the, the compliance of these solutions. And it's all about GovCloud as a specific item that provides a compelling reason to choose AWS. When you look at manufacturing, IoT is hugely impactful. And so what we've done from these customers, especially automotive or JBill, we met with them last night, we're actually capturing what these customers are doing in terms of solutions that they prioritize and how they are leveraging Greengrass or Lambda serverless functionality or certifications and sovereignty rules in order to come up with reference architectures that can provide a design pattern that could be considered, right? A lot of great work happening here. 13 industries now have actually published roadmaps very excited about that, and they're based on the actual customer experiences, what customers are doing, what customers provide us back in terms of the priorities that they need from us uh, with our service teams. I'll just add too that one of the most fun things I get to see is the way our customers are actually collaborating with each other too. Each other too. And we held a, another customer forum 
this week here at reInvent, where we heard customers actually interacting on these exact things, like these, these design patterns that they're actually implementing. And so they're actually learning from each other on actually what it means to build systems like this. Um, and we expect more of this to continue. Again, you see uh, retail examples uh, from customers like Zappos and uh, Uniqlo. Super exciting space to be in, and we think it's, it's much more than just infrastructure now when it relates to SAP environments, right? Customers are actually building new innovative solutions that hook back into these big uh, SAP systems on the back end. So how to get there? How to get there? So there is actually uh, a reality, right? Um, Gartner came up with this stat, which is actually, I think, spot on. Many, many customers have for years opted on a cloud-first strategy. But if you really look where the workloads are going, it's still early days, right? Many systems are staying on-prem for now. And that could be an amortization problem around hardware. More than not, it's a skills gap, which is why we actually really prioritize our partner enablement. And so I talked a little bit about the SAP competency, a specific competency for partners that want to help customers be successful with SAP workloads on AWS. And that partner ecosystem has grown. 250 partners, many of them have achieved the competency badge, not all of them have, but they have significant direct routes into AWS. We make sure they're enabled, we make sure they execute well on behalf of customers, and we make sure that we share our design priorities with them, getting soliciting their feedback on what we need to do next. And then if you look through the categories, right, there's the global system integrators. Uh, I think all of them are significant, uh, have significant practices, able to help customers actually be successful. Then we have, uh, in the SI category, a whole different category. Some partners that are born in the cloud, like a lemongrass, that do nothing but enabling customers with their SAP workload on AWS, and other SI providers that help customers in a local level worldwide. Then there is managed service providers. Many customers want actually a single hand to shake, if you will. They actually combine and embed the AWS infrastructure attributes with a one, uh, one solution to actually care for these SAP solutions. And then of course, super important, not just SAP, but around SAP is an entire tech partner ecosystem. The operating system providers like Red Hat and SUSE, uh, the database providers like IBM and Microsoft, those are very strong partnerships for us as well in order to be able to provide that certified portfolio. Now, what do we see happen over the last couple of years? And we took a, we took a look, right? If you ask any SAP person, the priority is to get the customers to move from ECC to S4 because S4 is the platform that the new functionality is. Now, the reality of it is that since 2010, we see lots of customers prioritize, first of all, get the cloud attributes and don't necessarily change the application layer. So we call that a lift and shift, if you will. Uh, since 2010, a lot of partners have prioritized that workload, great skills, great tooling actually to automate a number of that. What we prioritized with SAP was actually a methodology to not just lift and shift, but also automate the migration from an on-prem Oracle-based ECC solution to an HANA-based solution in Suite on HANA or BW on HANA. 
Uh, we launched it in 2016. We'll talk through some of the customer successes that we had there. But it enabled customers to actually in 48 hours get their on-prem productive data on AWS on a HANA-based system so that they could prove the business case or they could see what breaks, right? We did the same for S4HANA. We actually automated on that same methodology together with SAP, taking an on-prem running productive system and providing a test environment on S4HANA to a customer. It takes a little bit longer because the code uh, mitigation that needs to happen is more invasive, but it provided an experience to actually allow customers to test and see what the impacts would be of that upgrade. Now, what we've seen through the majority of cases though is this is the path that emerges as the most frequently used path. Customers lift and shift first to get the agility of the platform that Steve subscribed in terms of right-sizing your environment, cloning an environment, upgrading an environment that you just cloned on the AWS platform. So our advice is to go in a two-step approach to S4 and de-risk it, get the cost out, and get the cloud skills up. Cover that skills gap. Now, once you're on the AWS platform, you can experiment to S4. Or alternatively, what we see many customers do, they're starting to experiment with the new services that are available to them. And this is, this is key, if you can go back there just for a second, sure. boss. So this experimentation, uh, again, around these new systems of differentiation, I know I'm using that terminology, but it, it, it is real, doesn't require necessarily a, a first a migration to S4 HANA, as you can see here. We see customers actually innovating and extending an ECC system on Oracle, right? or an ECC system on DB2, at the same time as they're actually planning out their strategy and migration towards S4 HANA in the future, right? And we've done this a couple of times, right, Steve? <laughs> we have. Um, across all, virtually all types of industries, uh, you see a number of uh, exper experiences that we've had with customers who've migrated some very large systems here. So an online retailer, uh, this was actually Zappos, uh, who had moved an ECC system on Oracle to the AWS platform. Uh, we worked uh, with them. This was actually using our FAST methodology that we, uh, together with SAP, put together in uh, 2016. Um, the really interesting thing here is that when it came to actually sizing the target environment, they thought because of the sizing methodology that had occurred within the SAP sizing tool, they needed a one terabyte system. So just to be safe, they said, ah, we'll start with two terabytes, right? Actually, at the end of the migration, they saw that their database size actually fit into 800 gigabytes or so. So they're actually able to reduce by 50% the infrastructure they thought they were going to have to spend. And this wasn't just one system. As you know, SAP systems, there's a lots and lots of systems downstream. So when you talk about reducing overall your, your infrastructure cost by 50%, that can actually be a big number. Um, we had a, a multinational consumer goods company here that had a very large PW environment. Source system in Oracle was 25 terabytes. Helped them move to a scale-out BW environment on AWS, 10 terabytes in size in about 42 hours. Again, very rapid, but again, part of this automation work that we put together as part of the fast migration program. Yeah, and so let's talk about some concrete customer examples, right? Um, Del Monte, 
uh, was an, a great engagement. Uh, one of our partners, Accenture, was involved in helping them actually get to, uh, to S4HANA. And they looked at cloud providers. And they reached out and we, we met with Chad, the CIO of, of Del Monte. It's like, rather than planning and training, why don't we just take one of these SAP environments and experiment with it, right? Ultimately, accelerating the project, they actually were with us at, uh, at the conference in San Francisco, and saving 35% while implementing an entire project instead of nine months in six months. Uh, you were involved in AIG? Yeah, so uh, Dave Owen, CIO of AIG, I had a chance to sit down with him. Uh, he actually presented with us at Sapphire uh, last year. So this was super interesting, right? So they bought HANA licenses back in 2012 and sat on them for nearly four years, three, four years, before they actually started implementing HANA. And what actually moved them or motivated them is, again, this, this fast migration methodology that I talked about, the ability to experience a copy of a number of systems of theirs in rapid fashion to help build that business case really was the, the vehicle to actually move uh, the whole migration to SAP HANA on AWS along. Um, not only did they save eight million uh, from an infrastructure perspective, they actually improved performance from month in batch by 40% by moving to AWS and to HANA. NG was, a, was another a super interesting customer and the customer is actually with us tomorrow uh, as well as Jürgen Mueller, the CTO of SAP to talk about why NG uh, accelerated through AWS and what, what they discovered in their journey. Uh, super interesting, I was on a Friday afternoon in Paris. Um, the French account team called me, it's like, hey, NG just reduced a digital transformation to get to zero carbon uh, exhausting in their industry in two years instead of four years. They're on an S4 implementation, but they haven't started yet. They're looking for ways to accelerate that program. And so within a day, we met with Angie's uh, CIO and IT leadership. We taught them in a matter of four hours on how you actually maintain and architect and secure these SAP environments on AWS. And in four days, they chose to do everything in the future with AWS. We're already working on, on the decarbonization priorities, but now also the SAP systems. And they actually, cut the implementation of their S4 HANA system in half. So amazing uh, outcome there. Delivery Hero, uh, probably not that familiar here, but it's an online retailer in, uh, based out of Berlin. It's a startup that actually started from the get-go with AWS and S4 HANA. And what was interesting to them is you can start with a 256 gigabyte system and scale and grow as the business has grown exponential for them as well a great provider of feedback for us as to what we need to prioritize as well. Now then, the different type of category of customers that we see uh, over the last couple of years is customers that want to choose to digital transform their business and happen to have SAP solutions as well. Enel, um, phenomenal customer, obviously very much impacted by the transformation to smart grids. They actually used our IoT platforms to create and serve customers all over Europe more efficiently. And they ran into a massive SAP estate that actually needed to improve its agility and flexibility to actually support the smart grid evolution. Or Zalando, you were involved with them? Yes, yeah, so a very large retailer in EMEA, 
using more than 36 services now on AWS to transform and really extend their SAP environments. Uh, they're doing some super interesting things spe specifically around data and analytics, uh, extending kind of the, the tiering type model of how they actually handle data and data lake strategies with their SAP systems, leveraging things like Redshift uh, in conjunction with BW as well as S3. Super fascinating, and Bose? Bose, uh, well, you guys all have headphones on there, not Bose, I believe. <laughs> but if you ever bought a quiet comfort, uh, 35, for instance, you get the mobile app, right? And the mobile app is actually an AWS-powered uh, solution. And they actually did that first and then f came into their SAP environment to actually help serve their customers better. Liberty Mutual actually wanted to know what the financial close would be every day. They wanted to do S4, but they also had data lakes to mm -hmm. actually integrate and other systems that actually were the front end to customers, right? So they integrated and crossed the bridge there as well. Now, coming to the end of our uh, presentation, and we also will uh, we'll take some questions actually, but what sets AWS apart? First of all, four times the size of any HANA environment are supported in a cloud-native way on AWS. There's tons of shenanigans in the industry and it's confusing, but it's completely a self-service platform allowing experimentation, agility, flexibility, and lower TCO the way you would expect from AWS. Then the longevity in market. We've been going at this for 11 years and to Steve's point, we host customer advisory councils about four times a year including at reInvent, and these customers are actually helping us improve the platform. And that experience goes back into, obviously, what's available uh, to deploy. Then, when you really, when it comes down to not just hosting a system, but actually innovating faster and retiring the technical debt associated with these SFP environments, the amount of services that are available to you, not just today when you think you know what you're going to be doing, but six months from now when you're faced with a reality or a new technology that you want to use, five times the SAP services that SAP themselves deploys are running on AWS. And then lastly, 5,000 customers, more than 5,000 active customers per month, 50% of them deploying on HANA. And if you think about that, those are active customers providing feedback to AWS, right? We like to work with, start with the customer and work backwards. So as we're thinking about what we build next, and all of what we talked about in the last 40 minutes or so has actually been driven by customers like the ones we've talked about today. So the sheer number of customers that are running on us are actually driving our innovation, not just from a platform perspective, but also on this, these extensions uh, strategy as well. Okay, how to get started. First of all, we've, uh, we didn't talk a lot about that, but we did introduce uh, a fully automated way to get started in quick starts. You can deploy your NetWeaver environment, your HANA environment with the click of a button. And so for those of you that are practical in nature, please start there. Just start setting up an SAP environment and you'll actually start to build the skills and the experiences required to figure out how this is actually a very different way of uh, consuming SAP solutions. Uh, if you need help with a migration, if you need help with a transformation, if you want to actually extend and build onto SAP solutions, uh, use a competency partner. They actually, I guarantee you, the amount of 
uh, traction we have with these partners at customers, helping them achieve their goals faster has been phenomenal. And if you need any help, reach out Steve and me or the email address here, um, SAP on AWS team. We'll get back to you in a matter of hours to help you get uh, answer any questions or help you get started in any way. With that, I want to open it up a little bit for questions. Are there any? We have a mic that we'll pass around. Uh, next. So oh, you get to wear one of these fun headsets. Oh yeah, otherwise we don't hear you. Hold on. <laughs> no, this is not a Bose. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, great presentation. Can you hear me? Yep. yep. Okay, so as you look at S4 HANA Cloud and how SAP said, okay, we're gonna make the core standardized now. We used to have user exits to do very specialized things for us. We used to have special forms. There's a whole part of a implementation around extending and adapting SAP. Mm -hmm. The picture's great, the core's the same, but how do you really achieve that in real-time transactions and have a, not, you know, a standard core and use all these awesome features of AWS kind of way out here? How is that practical? So proximity matters, right? So customers who are either building natively on AWS or through SAP Cloud Platform, which again is SAP's extension platform, there's a reason why SAP is building on AWS. It's because that's where a large majority of the public cloud customers for SAP are running. So when, uh, when you're extending your SAP solution and building around it, proximity does matter, right? And so that's why, uh, you see customers actually deploying and running both, not just the SAP system, but also the extension, either through SAP Cloud Platform or directly on AWS. Anything to add to that, Bonds? Yeah, I'm not sure if we're completely interpreting your question, so keep us honest, but the other reason that we keep the clean core is because there is actually very valuable IP in facilitating a procurement to pay, right? So we've seen, and KK is actually right in front of you, one of the uh, experts that's helping SAP innovate in that way. We've seen a number of customers come to us with a, hey, I just want to fill up my data lake with this structured SAP data and derive more value from the data in there. But you quickly start to get into a lifecycle management question, right? The procurement requisition goes into a purchase order, goes into a delivery, and finally an invoice that needs to get paid. Just consuming a vendor master and not having the context of what the open orders are doesn't make that much sense depending on the use case. So we've done a lot with the API Gateway, and there's some announcements that will be coming later this week in not just SCP, which has been fantastic what we've been releasing with SAP over the last months, but also what we'll do from an AWS uh, standpoint to integrate back in with standard APIs and interfacing protocols. Any other questions? Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, again, awesome presentation. Uh, just a quick question. Uh, on the innovation front, like you know, we do have a number of services on AWS, right? Mm -hmm. That is kind of uh, enabling that innovation core. Uh, some of the competitors, like you know. Um, Azure, Google, they also offer like, you know, some of these services in different fashions. Can you actually talk about like, you know, how do we actually stand you know, apart in that innovation core uh, in the cloud space? Yeah, certainly, again, so it's, you heard Andy today talk about both the breadth and the depth of services, right? So that, that's one key aspect. The other is, again, at the very base platform layer, when you, when you think about 
uh, deploying your most mission critical workloads. So one of our largest SAP customers who started with, a, again, a, a lift and shift methodology, which you remember on one of the slides was um, before the, the transformation to S4HANA. They actually estimate they run about $80 billion worth of transactions through their finance ECC system on AWS and are finding really val real value there. But now, leveraging the other AWS services, they're actually using that to extend into a data lake strategy. And so it's, it, it's less about um, kind of comparing one-off services, but the whole package, right? And when you think about um, a long-term strategy around not just deploying an SAP system, but the extension as well, and the breadth of services and the pace of innovation, uh, we believe AWS is the best choice for that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you guys were talking about the innovation and consolidation. So a lot of the downstream systems on SAP, they're mm -hmm. still running on Oracle. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a footprint of HANA and Oracle and a lot of other, you know, MaxDB and all that stuff. Right. Is there a consolidation effort at some point? And I have a second question, which is not related to this, but it's more on the security side. Uh, one of the slides has you're building services based on all these Oracle system, uh, SAP systems. Where's the security layer come in there? Because we deal with the cyber and we get pushback all the time. So sure. if you can address one or two of them. You want to talk about consolidation? I'll take security. Perfect. Uh, so the consolidation, this is, this is actually getting at the heart of it, right? Um, we are supporting Oracle, DB2, SQL, very well. And well, ultimately, it's fine, right? It's obviously for a customer that partly runs on MaxDB, partly runs on HANA, partly runs on Oracle, you need three sets of database management skills. But it's not the end of the world. It, the same application can get served, right? Uh, the choice to go to HANA in our mind is if there's really a business case tied to the outcome of making that upgrade. And for many customers, that's the case these days. But Oracle, and Oracle is performing extremely well. It's a great database from a technology point of view. If you want to keep using that, you've got our commitment. We'll keep certifying it. We have a direct support relationship with Oracle as well as with SAP to make sure you, you have the full support to do so. Yeah, so on the security side, so when you think about not just deploying your SAP systems, but also building in with all these other AWS services, the same, the same security concepts apply, regardless of, again, whether you're deploying the system or you're, using the, you're doing the extension scenario. So think about uh, IAM policies. Again, you can apply an IAM policy to a, the very smallest virtualized HANA instance or even the biggest, biggest one because we use... Uh, it's, it's the same EC2 instance construct, IAM constructs, security groups are the same. So it becomes a little bit, actually quite a bit easier uh, when it comes to actually securing the SAP environments. Um, you can use instance, um, you can use security services like KMS to actually handle encryption keys and rotate those keys for yourself um, without having to think about that as well. So. Um, and then we have very large customers, again, across all types of industry segments, including pharma, right? Which you have to keep the chain of custody of ingredients from the very beginning all the way to when it actually makes it to the pharmacy. Um, so we can handle those workloads. We can, we can handle any kind of customer workload. So I hope that answers your question. 
Any other questions? Yes. Uh, it's my second question, but I know you guys actually showed a, a slide on the SAP customer base, right, which is great. Do you have a view of how many S4 customers we have and what's the penetration of the S4 market? Um, we don't have a public stat on S4 specifically. Uh, we take privacy extremely serious, right? So it's not like we actually monitor the platform for the type of SAP solutions customer deploy. It's a self-service platform. So what we do know is when we're involved in the validation and working directly with the customer or the partner to activate them. Um, the proportion of S4 implementations on the hyperscale cloud is far exceeding what happens on the on-prem because customers re-evaluate their infrastructure offerings and it's, uh, it's on demand, right? So for customers that want to actually start experimenting with S4, hyperscale cloud is, is by de facto the landing zone. So I can only guess, right, 50% of these environments are HANA, a good majority of them are S4. Um, BW on HANA, Suite on HANA, which wasn't that popular, but there's, there's certainly those customers in that number as well. Quick question. So one of the barriers to migrating to cloud is the cost of the database licensing. Mm -hmm. We've seen this with a lot of customers. Is there any chance that SAP would be certified on Aurora as a path to get from your <laughs> left side of the chart to your right side of the chart? They are, Steve. They are for uh, workloads like Hybris, right? So sorry. SAP has certified Aurora for workloads like Hybris, right? Um, but when you talk about you know, the core SAP systems now, S4 HANA, BW4 HANA, they're pushing a lot of that logic down into the HANA layer. So we've had some interesting conversations with SAP about this over time. Nothing to announce at this point, um, but I think it's an interesting question. That's all I'll say. Just help us place the request with your SAP rep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, any other questions? We have one here in the front, uh, Sander. So based on your uh, projection, mm -hmm. given that there's 5,000 customers in the last three years, yep. what's the projection for 2020? 2X, 3X? Uh, we can't disclose that, uh, but you're certainly in the neighborhood. We don't think, uh, with the 2025 deadline coming, right, and customers are encouraged to, uh, to adopt HANA so that SAP can help them innovate faster as well, we're, over the next two, three years, we'll only see the curve go up, uh, is my expectation. Um, the hyperscale cloud offerings, and specifically what we're doing with AWS, is a significant value proposition, right? I don't see what the alternative is that could be more attractive at this stage. So it'll be that. Okay, Excellent. then I wish everybody a fantastic reInvent. And as said, tomorrow it will look like a, a repeat of this session, but it's actually completely different in the sense that we won't be explaining any of this. We'll let three significant customers share their experiences on the platform. So if you want to see Jürgen Mueller from uh, SAP explain what SAP is doing with uh, AWS, or Angie, utility and decarbonization in EMEA, or HP, the PC and printer manufacturer, and what they've done with AWS, come together tomorrow, tomorrow with us at 11.30. Have a great conference. Thank you. <laughs>